Hey, Kate. Yeah? Do we give legal advice on this podcast? Oh, gosh, no. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Hello, and welcome to the Hostile Work Environment podcast. My name is Mark Alifans. I'm here as always. One of these times I'm going to switch this up and you're going to be totally confused. I'm here as <laughs> always with, with yes. my fabulous co-host, Kate Bischoff. We've been away for a few weeks. It's now after Labor mm-hmm. Day. We're going to try to get back, I think, on a more regular schedule. I think regular yep. is going to be two to three weeks, but usually we'll try to do two. Uh, yes. Kate. How are you? I am, all things considered, pretty good. Pretty good. I got to fly a helicopter yesterday, so I'm great. Yeah, I was going to ask you all about that before we record, <laughs> but I thought it would be cool to ask on the recording. So uh, yes. so how's it going? Is it super hard? Uh, it's super hard because you have to use your feet. Your your hands do two different things. Um, and so like, it's a lot of hand-eye coordination. And then wind seems to be my nemesis. So. Wind, wind is tough. I so I disclosure. I twenty five years ago flew a helicopter once <laughs> or twice uh, as part of like a teenage camp that I was at. But it was a real helicopter, and I got to fly it. It was the hardest thing ever. So yeah, uh, Kate taking lessons to get a helicopter pilot's <laughs> license, I think is the awesomest thing ever. Uh, <laughs> you're, I'm jealous, and I kind of want to go do it. Uh, and you may inspire me to do the same at some point. But uh, I just remember it being so hard. It was really like, not like flying a plane. It's way harder than flying a plane. It's way harder than flying a plane. And um, it was warm here in Minnesota yesterday. And so we flew with the doors off. So um, the so the wind would come through the cabin, not only just you know hit your rotors and mean that you have to correct, but it would like would come through the cabin. And so that was all a little challenging. So it's the hardest thing I might ever do in my life, but it's also super fun and I'm really enjoying it. I think that's, that's super awesome. Uh, And uh, I want to go do it too. Uh, All right. Well, nothing's happened in the world uh, of employment (laughs) law. So I I guess that's it. Yeah. I guess we're done. Uh, Uh, See y'all in a couple of weeks. We, this was, this was Kate flies (laughs) helicopters podcast. That's it. See you later. No, so we got to talk about the big one, though. Mark. Yeah, we so, do have to talk uh, about the big one. We actually, I think we've got five good stories today, uh, yes. and we're going to lead off with the big one. I know, uh, and it's actually fresh enough that I think that that we're we're kind of right on the front edge of this. Uh, yeah, which is President Biden's uh, announcement late last week, uh, mandating uh, vaccines or weekly testing for all federal contractors, and any uh, uh, company with 100 or more employees. Yes. I I will be very honest with you. I was jumping up and down in my living room watching this speech because Uncle Joe pulled the car over. He's very angry, and this is what he's going to do to make things better. Uh, So uh, I I am pro vaccination. I have no. one of the first people I know who got vaccinated, and I want y'all to be vaccinated because I want to go. I want to do what I want to do, and the, those folks who are not vaccinated are not letting me do those things. So, I, I, I was very excited. I think Mark, we should you know break this into two different parts because there's the executive order on federal contractors. And then there is the directive to OSHA to use its emergency authority to enact a rule for employers over 100. Please, folks, at least I know some of my clients have been trying to conflate the two or don't know that it's both. But you have to separate them because even if you're a federal contractor with four employees, this applies to you. Yeah. I, I agree that that's the right way to break it out. Uh, a couple of things I think we should note just nuts and bolts about this. Compliance mm-hmm. is expected to be required around November 23rd. So uh, this is November tw- November 23rd for the hundred for and the more. hundred. Sorry, right? Sorry. Yes. Maybe let's split, <laughs> let's split it out because I'd actually yeah. don't know all of the specific distinctions between the hundred and the federal contractors. I was prepping more on the hundred today. So yeah. so is there okay. a more immediate time frame for federal contractors? Yes. 
Yes. Uh, by September 24th, we should have information about what this looks like. We should get some definitions exactly. And then it's expected to be more enforceable as of October 15th. So while employers with more than 100 employees have more potentially have more time, federal contractors, you got to get on this because this is something that is likely to be much more front forward much sooner. The October 15th date, I don't think is the actual enforcement date, but that's the date where they're going to start asking you for what your rules are, what your mandates look for, look like to your employees. And so. what will the penalty, I know the penalty on the hundred side is the, is it the same penalty for failure to comply for federal I, contractors? That's something, that's something we're waiting on. I don't okay. believe it's going to be the 14,000 because that's tied to an OSHA rule, not right. a federal contractor rule. Right. Um, so I don't think the penalties are the same. But if you're a federal contractor and you're not following an executive order, the worst thing that can happen to you is you no longer get to be a federal contractor. Right. They might so pull your contract. Right. So the penalties are likely to be different. Mm -hmm. However, they're more severe if you are a federal contractor, unless you have multiple streams of revenue. Right. On the on the hundred employee side, uh, it's steep. It's (laughs) fourteen thousand per fourteen thousand dollars per violation may be per employee. So not just not have been vaccinated. It's per employee you don't have vaccinated. Right. Um, Now, it will have um, religious medical exemptions, just like it has been for any other employer so far who's wanted to mandate. Um, uh, You know, there's still issues to be determined here around paying for time and weekly testing and who's paying for the testing. And I don't know that we need to get into all of that today. Kate, I do have a question. This this applies to both the federal contractor side and the 100 employees, and I think it may be a different answer for each of them. Kate, is this legal? <laughs> okay. So, federal contractors... Noting, not legal advice, but Kate, is this advice. legal? <laughs> so, the federal contractors, it's 100% legal. I don't see any argument that says the president cannot enforce things on federal contractors because he is the ultimate of contracting officers. Um, we've seen... Uh, federal executive orders on or presidential executive orders on things like minimum wage. You have to pay, you know, 15 come very shortly. You've got to, you know, provide all of these other provisions. You have to have an affirmative action plan. So, of course, a president can enforce things on federal contractors. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy on that question. The question comes to whether employers with 100 or more employees who are not federal contractors, is this enforceable to them? And quite frankly, I don't know. And I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. I don't understand the ins and outs of this particular OSHA rule and whether or not they have authority and what is considered a grave employee threat or something like that. Um, and the grave threat, I don't know, if you're unvaccinated, you have an 11 times more likely to die because of COVID-19. I think that's pretty grave. But I think what is considered grave is open to interpretation and Courts, particularly courts in Texas, where this is likely to be challenged, might find that it is not lawful under OSHA's authority. I have every expectation to think that this is going to this is going to reach higher level courts relatively quickly, yeah. uh, given the timeframes involved. Um, I know amongst our peer group that we talk to, uh, folks we've had on the podcast before, the general feeling is that as it applies to a hundred or more employees, this may not be enforceable. Uh, and sorry, go ahead. And I and I want to make a distinction. It's constitutional, okay? It's constitutional. In 1905, the Supreme Court upheld a vaccine mandate. Um, so mandates are constitutional. It's whether this mechanism that the Biden so administration if, is using. If, if Congress did it, no question. Yes. Yes. It would it would it would fall under and you and I had a nice text string about this a couple of days ago. Uh, <laughs> it would fall under. We're going to nerd out a little uh, on our limited constitutional law knowledge here. Uh, this would fall under the Commerce Clause, same way that Congress can regulate and pass laws like FMLA, ADA, <laughs> Title Seven, those things that actually regulate employers because employment is is within interstate commerce. 
yes. Congress could do that. The question is whether this can be done by executive order from the executive branch. Right. And there has been a, a rather significant expansion of that power uh, over the last several decades. Uh, and we saw even further expansion of that uh, with the Supreme Court allowing the Trump administration to do that. Given the current makeup of the Supreme Court and the current party of the president, uh, I actually expect that the court may not be being, being the not political body, uh, <laughs> such a political body that it actually is. Um, I, I, I'm skeptical that the court would allow the executive uh, power to expand this far. Uh, I might suggest that that is not wrong either uh, as a general like proposition around constitutional law and separation of powers. Uh, that maybe that that this presidential power has gone too far. Uh, in this particular case, I want it to stay. I like it. Yes. Uh, yes. I yes. am. I am dubious as to whether it will be enforceable. But time will tell. And the the big advice that we have for clients is start doing it anyway. Do it. Get ready for this. You don't know that it's going to get struck down in any way. And anyway, you should be doing it anyway. Get everybody vaxxed. <laughs> then Kate can go party yeah. again. Yeah, well, it's not that I can go party. I want to rent a houseboat in Amsterdam and go watch, you know, fancy things in museums for a bit. That sounds so, like a party uh, that's to me. A, oh, okay, well, I'm being very selfish. Nerd as well, party. So. <laughs> being very selfish, I understand. No, I, I, particularly for parents, I think this was a, a great announcement from Biden because without a vaccine for folks under the age of 12, you know, we've got to get the community to stop allowing these variants to mutate so that kids can feel safer and parents can feel safer. I think it's all great. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. Maybe surprise is not the right word because I expected some folks to be, or some business leaders to be very pro-vaccine. But this method by Biden gave them all cover to say, it's not us, the employer enforcing this. This is Joe. We have to do it because of Joe. Blame Joe. You know, blame Joe. Take all of your problems out there. The Business Roundtable, which is an organization comprised of, and the board of it is made up of the CEOs of Walmart, Raytheon, Best Buy, Land O'Lakes, GM, massive companies in the U.S. They came out in support of these measures, um, excited about these measures, quite frankly, because they know they can help their employees be safer, including their families and the public. And so they were very vocal about being happy about it right out of the gate. And as a practical matter, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, if you were going to go visit the chamber, you have to be vaccinated. And so even the biggest pro-business entity out there, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, they are mandating vaccines for their employees. And so I don't I don't know. I'm sure there is one, but I don't know which organization is going to bring the lawsuit on this topic. It might be Texas. It might be Florida as a state government. Um, but the business community seems to be behind this. So that, that's exciting to me. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that it helps move the needle uh, and and lets you go to Amsterdam. <laughs> so, so badly. I miss traveling by myself, I should say. So that's why I'm excited. Okay, so are you ready, ready for some traditional hostile work environment, Mark? Yeah, uh, yeah. always. Okay. Always. So a nice, you... A nice ass grab case is oh, is always goes, on order. This goes way past ass grabby. Like okay. we are off the deep end. Now, it might also make you feel pretty uncomfortable because the target audience for this group is women between the ages of 12 and 25. <laughs> you should see Mark's face right now. <laughs> As the father of 12-year-olds? Yeah, 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 two twelve-year-olds. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Okay, um, ready? Not, not loving it so far, Kate. Hey, you spring up stuff on me all the time. I know, I know. Okay, do it. So there is a fashion store called Brandy Melville. It has lots of stores in the U.S. It originally started in Italy, and technically, it Brandy Melville is a copyright or trademark, one of the two, it's intellectual property that then folks buy the ability to have their store and sell their clothing. And 
the stores in Canada are going to be particularly at issue in this story. But the story comes from Business Insider, who not only reviewed various litigation documents, but also interviewed 32 former and current Brandy Melville employees. Okay, so that's sure. from Steely's realm. And I'm going to like, there's some really fancy quotes in here. So one of the lawsuits comes from a former senior vice president by the name of Luca Rotondo. I think I'm saying that right. And Luca describes his nine years at the company um, where he had fired hundreds of employees. And the article itself starts with the idea that every day girls who work at the fast fashion stores are required to send a full body full body photo to executives when some are as young as 14. Wait, and they have to send the new photo every day? To executives, yes. If a girl is too heavy or unattractive, the CEO of the organization will demand that she's been she be fired. This is great okay. so far. <laughs> if she was black, if she was fat, he didn't want them to come to into the store. Uh, and you Period. just you just snuck the race thing right in there. Oh, I'm going to sneak another protected class right in here. Okay. Maybe okay. one or two. Okay. So Brandy Melville is, according to Business Insider, is the go-to brand for the type of high school girls who spend hours on TikTok and Instagram and follow a supermodel by the name of Bella Hadid. Now, I didn't know about Brandy Melville because I am 43 and overweight, and so I would never think of going to the store. I might have walked past one or two, but I will spend part of my afternoon looking at New York Fashion Week photos for fancy dresses, but I wouldn't go into this kind of store. So I wasn't familiar with the level of which we got. We go here. <clears throat> one former employee, which I will get to in a moment, uh, complains that an Italian store owner sexually assaulted her. She has no memory. There's roofies involved, whole thing. And the Canadian store owners have filed lawsuits alleging in part of the lawsuits that if they didn't fire employees based upon their race and, and appearance, then Brandy Melville's organization pulled their copyrights, essentially closing their stores, not allowing them to have permission to use the stores anymore. Okay. Uh, I'm following so far. I'm still trying okay. to get past the CEO looking at a photo of every employee every day. I, I mean, well, let, let's let's that's talk just, about him. Like, there's just there's just a time frame issue. I mean, I don't know how many employees there are, but also uh, that just that just gets to immediately creepy. Anyway, yeah there there are 94 locations worldwide and 34 stores in the U.S. Okay, that's that's a lot of photos to look at every day. Yep. And the CEO, I think it's Stefan Marzan. He's Italian. So I'm going to go with Stefan Marzan. Mr. Marzan uh, told a group of people that they should take all of the sizes with the exception of the three smallest sizes off of the floor. So the hot, biggest size in the store is a four. Um, and that he thinks political correctness is blasphemy. In fact, he has said that black people are primitive and that he claims that women only create problems, even though they are his only customer. Okay. That seems like a really good way to not make more money. I mean, I'm just, just yeah. putting, putting it straight up into a, a business lens. Like, just, <laughs> like so I'm going to, I'm going to insult a hundred percent of my, my uh, customers uh, that's always a great business method. Yeah, of course, isn't it? Um, one executive said, "It's there's no sugar coating it. If you're skinny, blonde, white, and pretty, that's our customer, and that's our employees." Okay. So okay. skinny, blonde, pretty. So so far so um, good. So far so good. I don't see any problems here. Often, employee pay and who got hired was determined 
about uh, based on their attractiveness. In fact, in the New York store, New York City store, the offices were above the store and kind of lofted from what I can understand so that executives could look into the store. And they had a button that if they pushed the button, the cashier who was ringing up the customer was supposed to ask for a photo of the, the customer as well as their contact information. So that then the executives could look at the photo and determine if this person had an Instagram account and then decide whether or not they should hire this person just a customer. And this was often how hiring decisions were made. Pay decisions were also based upon your attractiveness. Um, one black employee was fired a week after two other employees were hired at $2 more an hour. And those employees were white and Asian, but the black employee was fired and given the reason that there weren't enough funds for her. Black employees were often put on the night shifts and were told to stock rather than actually interacting with customers. Um, and the determining the pay and the hiring was often done over text. So a manager would take a picture of a potential employee, text it to an executive. The executive would say yes or no and determine the pay rate based upon the photo, sometimes the photo alone. When the, the CEO went to visit stores in Canada, he said, only Indians are here. There's only dark people. And he said that customers were ghetto because they only were Indians or dark. And he demanded that they shut down the store. He said that the manager was too short and fat to work at Brandy Melville. Okay. How you doing? I mean, we all, so that's just it. We all know that, that Italy and Canada have no employment laws. So this is all good, right? <laughs> it's only the New York no. part that's getting me riled the, up. The right? only, the only. No. New, yeah. Yeah. No, this is, this is, this is bad. so over the top. It's like twirling mustache CEO. Like, <laughs> like it, it's so over the top. I, it's like how you know. I think I think we we tell ourselves to a certain extent that the Me Too movement and huh? other other progress that we've made has helped to substantially reduce this sort of behavior, and it has. It doesn't yes. mean that you don't have the mustache twirling villain out there still, oh. uh, and why that becomes much more newsworthy when we do find it. And, and so I don't, I don't think that this is happening everywhere, all, all over the place, but this is, it still happens. And I'm just, I'm trying, I'm struggling with how this could go on for as long as it sounds like it, it, it has uh -huh. or did uh, without coming to light earlier. Well, let me tell you that this mustache cannot be twirled because <laughs> Mr. Marzan has fashioned himself as Hitler and has used Hitler memes to describe himself. The Business Insider took a look at a hundred. I know. I'm sneaking I, I just, another one I in. just walked right into that one. Oh, yes, you did. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, Business Insider looked at 150 screenshots for a text message group called Brandy Melville Gags that involved a bunch of different Brandy Melville executives. The memes of Hitler, the memes using the N-word, uh, pornography, including young women pornography, who it might not be clear that the young women in the shots are of age. Uh, there's 150 screenshots of those. Some of those screenshots are actually on Business Insider if you go look at the article. Um, but he has fashioned himself as Hitler. In fact, Holocaust and his uh, Nazi references appeared frequently. Hitler was mentioned 24 times in the more than the 150 screenshots that Insider viewed. Now, back to the 21-year-old manager. Now, there was an, an apartment, a Brandy Melville apartment that models and executives could use. And so the 21-year-old store manager asked to use the apartment. And there happened to be an Italian store but owner you, staying. Use for what? They're traveling. They get to use it when they're oh, visiting Oh, so somebody's the store. from another. Okay. Okay. Yep. So she asked to use the Brandy Melville apartment and an Italian store owner was there. He took her out to dinner. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I missed the worst part here. One image featured Hitler with the text, 
Nobel Prize for barbecue. I mean, this is horrendous shit, Mark. Like, it's awful. Okay? So if you are a parent of a young woman and who wants to shop at Brandy Melville, please feel free. Yeah, I'm to a Jewish parent no. of a young woman who yes. of young women. I oh my gosh. Yes. Um, so the Italian store manager takes the 20 or store owner takes the 21 year old manager out to dinner and drinks. She blacks out. She doesn't remember what happens next. She goes to the hospital two days later, claims rape um, and says that she believes that she was raped during that event. Um, when you look at the Business Insider article, she says, I don't recall consenting to have sex with this person. I was very sick and disoriented when I woke up in his bed the next morning. He told me I was very drunk and that I wanted it, although I do not believe that in any way I consented to it. She doesn't recall how she ended up in his bed, how she got into the car, any of that. Uh, she declined to file a police report despite medical staff advising her to do so. The doctor wrote that the manager said her boss raped her and recalled having drinks with him than nothing else. Um, she was worried about pressing charges because she might lose her working visa. Isn't this horrible? It's horrible. Young women employees were were encouraged to use Adderall. They would often, uh, visits from the CEO would prompt store-wide diets. Employees as young as 14 would frequently undress in front of male executives, and they were told if they, wa if they wanted to go fully topless, they might get paid more. What? It, I, I mean, <laughs> I... I Yep. I don't even want to pick that apart, but I'm even at like employees who are 14. Yes, like, exactly. That shouldn't be happening mm -hmm. very much. Alcohol was frequently available. Um, they would buy bottles of wine. Executives would send them to its stores, um, encouraging employees to drink, even though this store employees were likely underage. Um, Marzen, the CEO, once brought beers to a store to share with a 16-year-old employee. Like it's so gross and so bad it, and it hits on multiple levels of protected classes. We have uh, race, we have gender, we have dis harassment, we've got anti-Semitism. We've got a yep. whole, wow. Yep. So, yeah. So, so what's this, is this in litigation right now? Is this, this or is this, this, is this an in investigation done by the, by the magazine so or the newspaper or what's the. There, so investigation by Business Insider. We've got variety of different litigation involving executives suing the organization. We've got the Canadian stores suing for with pulling back the copyright because they had black people working and being customers there. And so it's not clear to me based on the article, and it's quite possible that I missed it because you read this and you're in shock most of the time, um, that the EEOC will step in, that there might be a commissioner's charge, but it is horrible. Oh, it's horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. That, it, I mean... I, I mean, I'm I, you know speechless around the facts. Um, it's that's just disgusting on so many levels. Yes. Uh, I I am curious, given the international nature, uh, the way the company is structured, uh, how how this will get taken down, how they'll get taken down, and and is the CEO still the CEO? Right, like like yeah. these are this is information I'm going to want to dig in on. Uh, maybe for future episodes, we should. You know, if, if you listeners Keep track of it. <laughs> uh, see anything else about this or uh, Kate, if you or I see anything about this, I think this is worthy of an update because uh, yeah. I want to know. I, it's not I don't it's not that I want to know what happens. I want to know that these that these terrible people got taken down. That's what right. I want to know. The, the last line of Business Insider article is they would be doing everyone a favor to shut this business down. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And that same employee also mentions that it's a culture of fear. Of course it is. That's where well, we see this kind of behavior happen. So 
Right? Well, so sorry to be the Debbie Downer, but well, like, Debbie Downer, and also, how do I follow that? <laughs> yes. So, all right. I read I, that on. I read it on Thursday, and I was like, "Oh, that's what we got to talk about." So, that, that's amazing. Uh, I'm glad you found it. I'm not glad it exists. Right. Okay. Well, we're gonna we're gonna move on. Uh, I've got three stories for us to talk about today. Um, they're all relatively short and we'll end with one that's fun. It's a little more fun than what we just, what we just talked about. But first we're going to start with, I'm going to call it, it says we got an email. Uh, finally a listener story is the subject line exclamation point. We're going to, we're going to read this. It's actually a little more. Listener story with question. And so I'm okay. going to ask you the Yay. question. Uh, hi, Kate It's Mark. not as hard as a topless lifeguard, is it? Because that one was hard. No, I think this is a little easier than that, actually. Okay. Um, okay. Hi, Kate Mark. I like I like how it's just... There's, we're the same it's just, person. We're the, we're, well, we're, we're like together. We're Kate Mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am finally emailing a listener story. I've been wanting to do this for so long. I have so many stories, but here is one at my current employer. I am an HR business partner for a chip company responsible for a plant in Alabama and Louisiana. (gasps) Is this one of those plants that's been working 24-7 and everybody's working 12-hour shifts seven days a week? No. I I mean, maybe, but that's not relevant to the inquiry here Uh, or to to the story. So the one in Alabama is where I sit. We have a, a male manager who is quote unquote friendly with one of the female hourly employees. Disclaimer, mm-hmm. we have a non-fraternizing policy. There was a claim that someone brought to uh, HR and the plant manager before I got here. Uh, and apparently there was a conversation that they had with the two of them about it. But apparently this fraternization or this close relationship is still going on. For example, the manager and the employee take lunch and their breaks together. When one calls out to say, I'm going to go on break, the other calls out vice versa. Okay. So far here, I'm like, okay, it's not great. It's certainly not the worst thing I've ever heard, but no one will write a statement about it. Uh, but I am told that he treats the employee differently from everyone else. Recently, we had an internal job open and two employees applied for it. And one of them was the female hourly employee. Unfortunately, she didn't get it because she didn't have the relevant experience for that particular job. Mm. But the the manager throw a little hissy fit. Uh, Yes, you have now correctly (laughs) anticipated where we're going. (laughs) The manager called me and was going off saying that the employee has been here six years and feels discriminated against because both are Spanish speaking employees, both the manager and uh, Mm -hmm. the employee are Spanish speaking. And in fact, the employee does not speak much English at all. Uh, And the manager ends up doing a lot of translating for her. Uh, He even called my boss and told on me, ha ha ha. I'm reading that. That's what the email says. Ha, ha, ha. How would you guys handle this going forward from here? Signed, current law student. Ooh, congratulations. Yes, congratulations. Uh, So how would I handle this from here? One, I hope, and if you're a law student, you hate trees just as much as I do, meaning that you love documentation, not that you necessarily hate trees. You can document electronically, too. And save the trees (laughs) and document. Yes, document. (laughs) Uh, That what about the position meant that she was not qualified for it? Was it that she didn't have the right years of experience, et cetera? And I hope that the inkling that there might be an inappropriate relationship has been shared with your boss previously to potentially both one, support you in saying here is the legitimate reason why she's not qualified for the position, but also to potentially explain his behavior in this situation. And I get that nobody is coming forward to complain about the relationship or like say we know that this is happening, but it we 
now have, you know, every employer has a known or should have known. And if you have suspicions, the should have known, it's going to kick in. And so I think it, it does beg a question. Likely. We don't have facts here. It does beg a question right. for me as to are these the only two Spanish speaking employees? Right. What's the what? You know, if that's right. the case, there'd be all sorts of reasons why they'd be spending more time together. It doesn't necessarily make it inappropriate. So I'd want some factual development here as well, at least on that part of it. Uh, not yeah. not the the promotion or the, the 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 new job, but at least on the other part of it around is this an inappropriate relationship or not? I'd want some more factual development around how exactly. else is this inappropriate or is it that you know they share a common language and. Uh, this necessitates that they spend more time together. Uh, that's right. another question I had when I read it. Right. And it's totally okay to have a friend of the opposite sex at work that you hang out with for lunch and stuff. The, my concern is The manager-subordinate relationship is yes, the part that's more worrying about it. Right. That's where I, I run into it. And then now we're seeing him be more ex- – ex- exhibiting more favoritism towards her – that suggests that maybe something could be happening, but you just have to go find out. You got to talk to coworkers. Yeah. You got to spend some time there. That kind of thing. It might, might be worth some subtle digging into um, in your spare time, right? As, as the <laughs> as HR HRBP. business part, right? Uh, <laughs> but and then on the on the promotion piece, I think you just need to make sure, as Kate said, well documented. What were the qualifications for the position? And which of those qualifications did she not have? Just to make sure right. that if they ever bring something later, uh, you have solid justification documented as to why she wasn't qualified or someone else who was hired was more qualified. Right. And you may find in your investigation that he promised her the job. And that's why right. he's throwing that hissy fit, right? right? And so there's a whole bunch of other things that could come up as you ask more questions. I just so you know, don't start with him and her. You start with coworkers that they work with. Yep. Ask right. and, elsewhere first. And and you say that nobody wants to make a statement. Well, if nobody else wants to talk about it, then you're you're kinda limited here. But my guess is if you bring them in and you sit down and you just start asking some questions, uh and you don't need a statement as much as you can take notes of a conversation. Exactly. And let there be silence. Because that is where I find my best information during an investigation is, oh, yeah. you know, you're keeping science, silence and then you'll get a, somebody will blurb something because they're really anxious about it and you'll get golden nuggets that you can then follow so, up on. Someday so. Kate and I will do an hour long seminar on <laughs> conducting investigations together because uh, I, you know, we've, we know each other well enough to know that we do these very similarly in a lot of ways and share philosophy uh-huh. around it. I love awkward silence when I'm doing an investigation. Yep. Uh, people get very uncomfortable very quickly, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I also do that when I do seminars and I'm looking for audience participation. I have a slide yep. at the beginning that says, oh. uh, "I, you know, I'm perfectly happy uh, if you guys want to waste your time by sitting here being quiet and silently awkward." Um, but yep. you're you're paying me to engage a conversation, not not to just talk at you for an hour. So, uh, right. same thing tell, works I in t- investigation. Yeah. I tell my audience when we're doing uh, training sessions, I say, I win staring contests. I can stare at you and stare at this computer for days. So when I ask you a question, I'm going to expect that you're going to respond because otherwise uh, I'm going to eventually win. That's so. right. That's right. Yep. All right. We're going to move on here. I can't believe we're already almost 40 minutes in here and I still have two <laughs> stories left. So we're going to come back to this is uh, we found I found this online courtesy of our friend Suzanne Lucas, the evil HR lady. Yes, uh, she had brought this up, uh, I think, on Twitter. And it was a tweet uh, from uh, our favorite Reddit. Am I the asshole account? <laughs> I have a Isn't definite a thread. What's that? Isn't it a is it a thread and not an account? But I'm sorry. No, th- sorry. It was it was the am I the asshole Twitter account tweeting it. Oh, okay. Okay. From what would have been on Am I the Asshole in a thread on Reddit. Better? Okay. Because Reddit's going to do an IPO this year, likely. So that's why I'm paying attention to Reddit more often. Yeah, fair. Um, All right. This happened pre-COVID, which is actually very relevant for what's going on. All right. (laughs) I was a doctoral candidate and was sent with several of my colleagues, as well as our professor, to a conference which was important in our community. 
The conference was held in Germany, and the participants occupied the entire hotel. Just so we're clear, there were no guests in this hotel who were not attending the conference. (laughs) The hotel had a spa, and as is custom in Germany, the spa had a no bathing suits allowed policy, which was posted at the entrance. You couldn't miss it. The conference itself was hugely international, and the key speakers were mostly Nobel laureates. On the second day of... Oh, my God, my kids are out in the hallway making so much noise, and they know I'm recording (laughs) in here right now. On the second day of the conference, myself and some newly made friends decided to check out the spa. This being a work conference, I wore a bathing suit. It was strapless, and I had a towel over it, so it wasn't obvious. But many of the others who joined me, probably a little over 20 PhD students, were straight up rocking the bathing suit. We had the whole hotel to ourselves, and who the fuck would go naked at a work meeting? (laughs) Depends if you're working for Brandy Melville. Well, turns out, (laughs) one of the female professors would. When we walked into the area of the spa in which she was, she was alone and totally nude. Sorry, she was alone and totally nude. She flipped the fuck out on us. Several of us were actually her students, but the best rest of us basically knew her from reputation alone. She was mortified and beyond pissed that we weren't exposed while she was. After mm-hmm. she finished shrieking at us, she left and complained to all of our professors as well as to the hotel staff. Nothing came of it, and I won't guess their reactions as I wasn't there to hear it. We ended up enjoying the next four days in the spa in our bathing suits, along with sometimes also bathing suit clad professors and sometimes also their children. The professor who'd complained left the conference that day and did not return, uh, which is why I think we may be the assholes. So, okay, am I the poster here? Am I the asshole? I have a definite opinion on this. Uh, you do? I have a very definite opinion on this, but what's your? what do you think? I don't think this person is the asshole. I don't, I don't think there's any asshole here. I, so I completely 100% disagree with you. You do? Why? There's a large posted sign that says no bathing suits allowed in this hotel spa. That is the culture in the country where the, the conference yes. is happening. Yes, maybe they took it over. And yes, maybe there should have been some other discussion around it. But you shouldn't just go in and break the rules and cultural norms of the country where your conference happens to be. She's an asshole, the poster. So is the professor. This gets everybody's the <laughs> asshole. It's actually, it's a co, it's a way to respond in these ETA. Everyone's the asshole here. The asshole. They're all assholes. Every single one of them. The professor, well, too, okay. for freaking out on them, right? You can oh. have a much more uh, polite and and, you know, understanding conversation around this uh, on both sides of, of, of this equation. But, like, I'm sorry, they, when you go to another country on a conference and they have rules in the hotel, you don't just flagrantly violate those rules and expect to come out not being the asshole. There's other ways to handle it. That's my take. Okay. That's my take. Okay. Definitely asshole behavior to just completely ignore signs uh, and rules uh, when you go places. Okay, well, I break rules all the time. Well, uh, but and, but, but, but to not- me, this is akin to jumping in a cage at a zoo or doing like it's oh. like like it's there are reasons why they have those those norms and and those rules. I would inquire and say, "Hey, we're all here and we're all in our suits." Is that okay? Like, let's <laughs> just let us do it. But I, I, I like because I could very specifically make someone else feel very uncomfortable by not following the rule. Oh, well, I... And they did. They very explicitly made someone very uncomfortable uncomfortable. by not following the rule. And that person didn't handle it well, but neither did these people. I don't know. Being naked, though, is really a personal decision. Then don't go to the spa that requires you to be naked. It's very easy. Fair. Very easy. As somebody who goes to spas like that, if somebody shows up in a bathing suit, it's weird. Like, it's not weird to be naked. It's weird to, right? And so if you're at the spa and you're there first and you're in there, like, and everybody else shows up in a bathing suit and 
it would I would feel very exposed and very uncomfortable. Yes. And those people would by definition to me be assholes. I also wouldn't freak out at them. Thereby not <laughs> okay. making me an asshole too. Okay. Well, I, I have a quick story sure. about this. So uh, in 2019, I took my children to Iceland and we did the full ring road. And we went up in the highlands one day um, for a particular uh, hotel. Um, it was more of a hostel lot, like a lodge. like, mm-hmm. And so you could see the top of some of the glaciers, the ice fields, and then there, they had hot springs. And the, it was relatively small. So there was a Lutheran group that was there at the same time we were. And a mixture of German, Brits, Scots, um, that was their group. And so to go into the hot spring, you had to shower first um, so that you didn't, you know, contaminate it. And being Americans, I wore a suit, my children wore a suit in the shower, okay? But you, it was expected that you'd wear a suit in the hot spring itself, okay? That mm-hmm. was the expectation because you're also outside, okay? So we're out there and I shower in the women's. I send my men through the men's. Okay. Cause they're old enough, you know, it's two years ago. So they were 14 and 11. So they were old enough to go through the men's part alone. Again, very small place. So they go through the shower. I go through the shower. I make it out of the shower before they do, which is surprising. Cause you know, whatever the Germans showered naked before putting suits on and then getting in the hot springs. And my sons were flabbergasted because one, they don't see naked men very often. So they were like, Oh my gosh, mama, I saw a really large penis. And so it was really funny how they responded to this. And then when we were coming back out, your ex asked to shower again. And one of the German women and I were talking back and forth and we were going to the shower and she told me, I'm going to get naked now. And I said, that's great. I'm not. And so I guess to me, being exposed is probably part of me being American. But I don't think being naked is something that is a a choice that someone else can make for me. Like, yes, I probably then don't go go. in the first place. First place. Don't go violate their cultural norms. Like if somebody came here and violated our cultural norms, we'd be all over them for that. Right. Oh, like, and, I, and I don't so, d- so disagree. In this instance, though, there was no rule. You weren't violating any norms. Everybody was okay. Yeah, but in the I one in the example that being here, naked is, is, then don't go. It's just so personal. Right. And you can make the personal and, choice people, not to go. But the cultural norms of the country they were in <laughs> is one thing, the cultural norms of the group they were with. Big different. sign, big sign, no bathing <laughs> yes, suits. I'm it. just like, to me, uh, that, like, you should go check first. Is there somebody else in there? Is there somebody who would be offended, right? Like, I don't want to offend people by not following their cultural norms. Right, but I do feel bad for the professor who was naked. Yeah, because, me too. Because, you know, she might, have, she might have freaked out, but she might think that all of those people think that she's the asshole, and I that, think they do know, think she's the affect, asshole. Yeah. And, and, that, and she that, was also that an might asshole. Affect her, right. That would affect her reputation. That might affect, you yep, know, how people interact with her. All because they all wore bathing suits. <laughs> by, and violated a rule. Because they naked well, at a work event. Then don't, so. then don't go. Don't go. Like, I'm glad I don't, we disagree about something. I mean, I, I actually think that this couldn't be more obvious that, like, you shouldn't violate rules and cultural norms. Uh, I just think that too many Americans get caught up on the naked part. Well, you go to oh, another country, people are going to be naked. And they're going to oh. expect in certain cir- circumstances that you are too. Too. And if, mm-hmm. if this professor was German or from another country that follows that kind of rule and that kind of culture, that's extremely hurtful to that person. And these people did that to her. But it's like using, you know, the Brits use the C word all the time and it's not a big deal to them. It's a big deal here. It's a big deal to me. But you don't go to Britain and people force you to use that word. True. True. It's different. It's very different. Like you have a choice not to use that word here. There was a specific guidance and rule that was not being honored. Being followed. That's where I get no, caught no. up. If there was no sign, have at, I would, it. Have at it. it wouldn't make any difference to me. If there was no sign 
and this professor got upset, then the professor is the only asshole. But because of the sign. Because okay. there's specific rules. And she's, she said in the thing, very first word, there was a big sign that said that you, yes. you shouldn't be wearing a bathing suit. Anyway, I just think that that's, that's I am... I am going to say I'm just going to conveniently ignore your cultural norms that I don't like, and that makes me not an asshole. That's what I read out of that. <laughs> okay. All right, let's move on. Uh, we can manage through our disagreement. All right. <laughs> this comes from a friend of the podcast, Sarah Weaver, uh, who found this on a Facebook page. I don't even know what this is a page for. 27B slash six is the name of the Facebook account. I want to give credit where credit's due. Whoa. Okay. Um, and it tells a story. Okay. And I don't know who the author is to this. It doesn't, doesn't say it's just posted by this webs, you know, this Facebook account Yes. with a number and letter name. Melissa, the office manager at the company I work for, learnt last week that her name comes from the Greek word for bee. Like B-E-E, like, uh, uh, like uh, a buzz, buzz, buzz. buzz. Right. Mm -hmm. Apparently, this explains why her favorite color is yellow and why she's never had a bee sting. <laughs> okay. Firstly, who's never been stung by a bee? Has she never been outside? Bee. Oh, <laughs> all right, fair. Has she never been outside? <laughs> Secondly, bees don't have a list of people's names. They're not saying to each other. Yes, I hey, realize she's. What, what's that? <laughs> They're not saying to each other. Yes, I realize she stepped on you, but she gets a pass because she's on the Melissa list. Okay. As Melissa is now an official bee, she ordered herself a bright yellow chair from Amazon. All of our other chairs are from Herman Miller in blue, in blue, our brand color. And Mike, our creative director, is currently having a meltdown. Oh, of course he is. He's sent four emails this morning to all staff about Melissa's banana on wheels being <laughs> an affront to brand integrity with links to articles about staying on brand. And he and Melissa had a heated exchange after she returned from making a coffee to discover Mike had written a large no, and this, this is relevant, N-O exclamation point on the backrest of the chair in <gasps> thick black Sharpie. Oh, he's the asshole. I mean, I get why he's upset, but you don't. Well, and, and again, this is okay. not an am I the asshole? This is just a great story. But right, we can. Right, right. I'm but more than happy to identify any assholes here. Uh, again, <laughs> probably already we have enough information to say they're all the asshole. Everybody's the <laughs> asshole. Uh, Not the business partner who is using her blue Herman Miller chair quietly and is going, oh, my God, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Right. Like I, I like the author of this is not the <laughs> asshole. Like just but in it for for as I like to put it in it for the shits and giggles. And I'm just documenting all of this for, for your <laughs> consumption. Uh, yes. So I should also note that in keeping with her new bee theme, Melissa wore mm. a yellow dress to work today. Of course she did. The dress is almost the exact color of the chair. And when <gasps> Melissa is sitting, it looks like two giant peeps spooning. <laughs> I like the author quite a bit. <laughs> Apparently voicing this observation wasn't helpful. <laughs> no, I can't imagine it would be. Unfortunately, due to uh, do either to Melissa becoming sweaty during the shouting match <gasps> or the Sharpie not being dry, <gasps> Melissa now has a large exclamation point O-N, the reverse of no, right, right. on the back of her dress and is demanding <gasps> that Mike pay restitution. <laughs> it's only 10.08 a.m., I considered working from home today. I'm really glad I didn't. And then <laughs> our poster here includes a screenshot of an email uh, sent at 943 that morning from Mike, the brand mm -hmm. integrity manager, to Melissa, copying all staff. Oh, <gasps> Mike. Melissa, 
All future furniture additions for this agency are to be approved by me prior to purchase. This isn't your house. We have a standard here. The front foyer is a client's first impression of the agency. It's not yours to decorate how you wish. I don't give a fuck how many episodes of Shabby Chic or Flea Market Flip you've watched. You're not an interior designer. Our Herman Miller and body chairs cost $1,500 each. A piece. If your $150 banana on wheels isn't removed within the next 30 minutes, I will wheel it. I will wheel it outside and set fire to it. Mike. <laughs> um, so he might be the creative director. Is there someone above him who is going to chastise him for that email? I'm hoping so. I mean, uh, part of me hopes so. And part of me hopes not. Not. <laughs> I wish there was an update. The fire in the parking lot has been doused. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. Melissa is looking for a new job. Not that she's been fired, but she knows that her tenure with Mike, at least, is not long for this world. I mean, so. if, if there are clear work rules around this uh, sort of situation and being on brand for whatever kind of agency they are is really that important, your employer gets to make that choice. And you don't yes. get to violate that policy. So Melissa uh, may very well also be in the wrong here. There are better ways to handle it, Mike. Yes. Um, and Mike, you're probably going to have to pay for her dress. That's just general policy. You're likely to have to pay for it. So sorry, dude. Wow. <clears throat> the peeps, the peeps spooning is really set. Right over the top. I loved it. Yeah, the the uh, <laughs> poster on this is uh, one of my heroes now. I don't know their name okay. uh, or yeah. anything about them, but uh, that is uh, an epic <laughs> description of, of events, and I love it. If yes. you, uh, listener, have epic descriptions of events that have occurred to you or seen, uh, we would love to hear about it. And you should email it to mm -hmm. us at hwepodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Uh, yes. we've been getting a few more. We've been getting some articles that I actually didn't use everything I got today and I'm holding on to some, some great stuff for Woo! next episode. Not a lot, but there's one or two more. Uh, so please, uh, continue sending us stuff. It really helps us, uh, continue to make you laugh. Yes. Yes. With shocking human behavior. Thank God for humans. So. Thank God for humans. Kate, how can people reach you? Uh, Thrivelawconsulting.com is my website. It has a place where you can set up a meeting with me. Also, you can find me on Twitter at K8BISCH, Kate Bish, uh, and LinkedIn, of course. I got a lot of wackadoo comments on my post this week about why mandating is more important than doing mandating plus testing. Yeah. Mostly for the sanity of the HR department and cost purposes, but woo, it, 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 <laughs> LinkedIn is out. is has been really interesting lately in terms of the anti-vax, very very vocal, you know, minority coming on and and really trolling posts lately. It's much more than I've ever experienced on there, and uh, yeah. you uh, and our friend John and others have uh, really borne some of the brunt of that lately and it's uh it's eye-opening well and and i will say that i've had posts in the past that have not dealt with covid where they've dealt with gender discrimination issues and it really bothered me this doesn't bother me as much mm -hmm. this craziness mostly because i know that these folks need help um <clears throat> so, and it's, they're not the norm. They're a very small group of people generally in the population. So that doesn't bother me as much as it does when I post something about gender discrimination and it's like men only all the time. That really bothers me. But this one doesn't bother me as much. So how, where can we find you, sir? Uh, you can find me at your local vaccine clinic. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, you can I'm going to be... I'm going to, what's that guy's name? Keanu Reeves plays him. John Wick. I'm going to be John Wick, just shooting out jabs everywhere. <laughs> the, wow, that's, that's a great image. Uh, 
<laughs> you can find me on the Bullard Law website. You can reach me through there for work-related purposes. Uh, you can also find me on social media, on Twitter, at Salad Pants, and on LinkedIn, Mark Alifants. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I, we always joke about other places, but those are the real ones to find us. So. Right. And stay tuned. We may have a Ted Lasso-focused episode coming up soon, given the current status of the show. Yes. Yes. Or at least a segment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was thinking about that. You and I hadn't discussed it yet, but we are clearly on the same wavelength on everything except for being naked in hotels. <laughs> In Germany. <laughs> naked in Germany, yes. <laughs> or naked with Germans, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> either, either way. Either way, uh, there may be some disagreement there. So, uh, yes. everybody have a have great a couple week, weeks. Uh, and we'll be back uh, mid-September sometime. Bye. <laughs>